0: Welcome to episode one of the Zest Wellness Podcast. On this episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Reed Robinson. Reed balances his humble personality with his lifelong pursuit of learning. We covered everything this episode from mental health and thinking well to knowing that we are born to run from our hunter-gatherer roots. We talked about how we can really get behavior change through changing our habits and leveraging the power of adding positives in our life instead of always just taking away the negatives. So whether you are exercising right now, sitting down, or even driving in your car, this is the Zest Wellness Podcast with Dr. Reed Robinson. Hello everyone, welcome to the Zest Wellness Podcast. My name is Nathan and our special guest today is Dr. Reed Robinson. Reed is from the Inside Out Wellness Center in Bermuda and has over 20 years of experience in the health and wellness field. His education consists of specializations at the University of Victoria in British Columbia, and he obtained his Doctor of Chiropractic degree from the Palmer College of Chiropractic West. Reed has tremendous experience in physiotherapy, strength training. He's even coached badminton and archery and was a trainer for the junior national rugby team of Canada. I think what's most fascinating about Reed is that, yes, he's dealt with professional athletes, but he's also dealt with the newborns and also the elderly. So, Reed comes to us today with, with a, a vast rate of experience for all different age groups. So, Reed, welcome to the Zest Wellness Podcast.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Now, for our listeners, the first topic I think it'd be nice for us to get into is when we talk about being healthy. We really want to get across that it's less of a want and it's more of a need. And that's because we are literally born to run. So, Reed, I know you're very familiar with this topic in terms of how humans used to be hunter-gatherers and why it's so important for us to move our body. Do you mind giving our listeners a little bit of background into why that's the case and how we evolved over time?
1: Sure. Well, well, one of the things, uh, you know, in my uh, previous education An undergraduate is uh, one of the theories in how humans became the quote unquote super species is that we could uh, outrun any other animal species. Now, uh, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily the fastest because obviously there are many, many other animal species that are faster than us, uh, but that we can go for distance and time. And so that really helped us from a a hunter uh, perspective because as long as we could pretty much track and keep those animals that we were uh, um, uh, preying upon, that we could, uh, we could at least keep up with them. And, uh, and then when it came to the point where they're pretty much exhausted, we could pull out our rocks and spears and all those fun tools that we made and, uh, and take the animal down. So, so absolutely, I mean, it's, it, it's in our genes. We're, we're genetically designed to run. We're bipeds. Uh, you look at all the other uh, animals out there, you know, four legs, and and uh, you know, we're just everything is is geared in our physiology to run, you know, whether it's to flee from being chased by something else or uh, to to chase down your food.
0: It's extremely interesting, and so here's it sounds like what you're saying is that literally in our genes we are programmed to to move around and and back in the day that used to be because we had to run around to get our food and in terms of um gathering what we're gonna have for dinner but in our genes literally we have to move
1: absolutely and and the other one thing that you know over the years and years of studying uh, wellness is that we're actually genetically designed for health and vitality and i think that's one thing that's left out in with a lot of whether it's wellness speakers or doctors or healthcare providers is that I don't think that they explain to people that we are actually genetically designed for health and vitality. So as long as you give your body the requirements to be healthy and you minimize or, or uh, get rid of all the toxicities that would go into your body or mind that would prevent you from being healthy, then you're going to naturally always move towards health. And And, you know, the biological term, is called homeostasis.
0: And, Marie, you just mentioned a really key term right there. You mentioned the, this term vitality. Um, for anyone who is not necessarily familiar with that very powerful word, what does vitality mean to you? Uh,
1: you know, it's, it's, it incorporates so many different things. You know, the, the joie de vivre, the uh, passion to be here on, 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 in this beautiful earth and, and to experience things, to experience relationship with self and others, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's having the energy to get up and go and, and being naturally energized uh, versus having to motivate. So in, instead of being motivated, you're more inspired to, to eat, move, and think in, in genetically congruent ways.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, you know, if, if we were looking in a, in a cooking book right now and there was a, a recipe for how to be healthy – uh, as far as requirements go, what what would you put under those ingredients for what's required for us to be quote unquote healthy or, or live with vitality?
1: Uh, well, specifically, I would say when it comes to nutrition, then uh, the easiest way to think about it for somebody who doesn't have a background in nutrition is think of what you would uh, eat if you're a hunter gatherer. M- most people get the idea, generally speaking, that if they were a cave person. Uh, that they really wouldn't be eating things like rice and all those carby, starchy grains type thing. I mean, if you think about it from, a, uh, you know, just from living day to day, I don't know anybody uh, anywhere who grows grains in their backyard, uh, apart from, you know, the farmers in uh, in Canada and the U.S. with these, you know, massive, massive uh, granaries. You know, so we wouldn't really be eating grains. Uh, the other thing is sugar. You know, sugar wouldn't be in the refined abundance that it is now. Uh, so that's another key key food that we wouldn't really have in our in our natural food group. And uh, as a as a again a hunter gatherer a cave person, you're going to be eating a lot of fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and then some animal animal flesh too.
0: Okay, very, very interesting and and a a few moments ago you also mentioned this idea of getting rid of of toxins within our body. Um, To someone who who heard that and and they said, okay, I want to do that, I want to get rid of toxins in my body. What exactly do you mean by that and how does someone take action towards that in terms of is there a specific uh, method of health or, or, or activity they can do to get rid of these toxins in their body?
1: Uh, I, I believe so. I think most importantly is avoid putting them there, there in the first place, really. Uh, you know, right now, and, and, and don't quote me on the exact number, but I think the FDA recognized something, recognizes over about 22,000 foodstuffs. I'm going to call them foodstuffs because uh, they're not actually natural food. And when you study hunter-gatherers, Really, out of all the tribes that, that are modern-day hunter-gatherers or have existed in the past, you know they really didn't have access to more than about 1,100 different species of, of uh, plants and animals. So, and it, when you think about 22,000 foodstuffs, uh, it's it's incredible what's getting into our system, and and a large part of those are man-made or human-made. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, when it comes to health, when, when has man ever been able to beat Mother Nature, uh, in, in the, with the exception of maybe, you know, acute injuries or life threatening injuries. So, uh, so the biggest one I would emphasize is avoiding and putting stuff there that, that's not required to be there for health. And, it, and again, it's relatively easy. You know, artificial sweeteners is a classic one, going back to the grains and sugars, Uh, even if you want to look at dairy, I I know that's a, a pretty hard one for many people to wrap around, but, you know, cow's milk is designed for calves. It's not really designed for any other animal species or mammal species, I should say. And when you look there in the wild, in fact, pretty much when you look almost in, uh, uh, in domesticated animals, they don't really drink the milk of another mammal, especially after they've been weaned. So, so, uh, Again, going back to the the, the very simple basics is, is avoiding all those things that you can't really pronounce. Uh, on if you look at um, you know say the the lists in the back of a box or uh, going for when you're when you're buying things in the store, you know getting those things that have been that look like they were just picked or grown. Uh, that's another classic one. And then after that, you know in terms of eliminating and avoiding toxins. Um, or, or uh, at least uh, avoiding toxins, I should say, as opposed to avoiding, is, yeah, there's definitely uh, many different um, uh, ways you can do that, whether they're uh, uh, purification uh, rituals, there's all sorts of um, um, a variety of, uh, let's say, uh, foodstuffs that you can take to bind to, say, toxic uh, metals or heavy metals. So there's, there's so many different things out there. That's not really my specialty per se. Um, but, uh, I would say the biggest one is avoid putting them in there.
0: Yeah. In the first place, save yourself lots of time later on. Absolutely. Now w- with all of that being said, something, uh, along the lines, very similar is that when we start putting all these toxins in our body, uh, I suppose we're developing this, um, high blood pressure, we uh, have a high salt intake. And so we're having all these risk factors for all these non-communicable diseases, um, like diabetes and whatnot. And so we're switching from a, from a culture that used to be affected majority by famine and, and by plague, and so now we're being affected um, by these non-communicable diseases instead. Um, so it used to be you know, malaria, or tuberculosis of the past; these vector-borne diseases, but now we're actually paying the price through these communicable, uh, non-communicable diseases that are um, that are totally preventable um, in terms of these risk factors. Now, is there um, any kind of health secrets that you have? Um, any health habits that you have in particular that you find makes you the the Superman that you are? <laughs>
1: Do you you know what? There's there's no one real um, one thing that I could say that, you know, is any bit more powerful than anything else. You know, I I have uh, I guess maybe my education and my inspiration, you know, uh, it's different when you know, when you scientifically know uh, what these toxic foodstuffs do to your body, as well as toxic thoughts and toxic chemicals and that kind of thing. And it's really easy to make those simple choices. You know, it's uh, it's the and the other one is knowing which I I think almost everybody knows that when you have that choice between the apple and the donut, you know, I would say 99 percent of people know that choosing that apple is going to be the better choice for your health. Um, Uh, I, I don't think too many people would question that. But what I think a vast majority of people don't really realize is that by choosing that donut you're actually not now getting that apple. So it's actually a double whammy if you think about it. Not only are you getting all those toxic sugars and grains and everything into your system, but now you're deficient. You're missing what you needed in that apple. And, and that's, that's a huge uh, part of it. So I think knowing that knowledge, uh, having that background, it's very easy for me to make uh, the bulk of my choices uh, towards being healthy. And, you know, what you were talking about, the chronic disease uh, versus the uh, communicable diseases, uh, you know, in the in the 1900s, early 1900s, pneumonia, tuberculosis, enteritis were the uh, major killers um, of, of the North American and European cultures. And uh, now in 2000, well, in 2010, which is you know just a, a short seven, seven years ago, now heart disease, cancer, stroke. And lung disease are the leading causes, and these are uh, primarily chronic diseases, diseases that really weren't around, um, you know, prior to about five to 8,000 years ago. You know, there was very small pockets, potentially, but, but this wasn't a, you know, 80% of all deaths in North America right now are from chronic disease. 80%. That's
0: very scary. And...
1: It, it is. It's absolutely scary. And when you look at now the modern the modern hunter-gatherers, like the Kung, the Maasai, the Hadza, the Yanomamo, the Kui, the Gyoi, Aboriginal Australians, the Inuit, you know, all of these cultures, less than 2% of them are dying from these chronic diseases that we're dying from. And that's and they have the same genes. So I don't know. I, I can't say that it's really a genetic thing if... You know, if it's, it's uh, you know, this cancer and cardiovascular disease, I, I'm not going to buy into this uh, genetic uh, theory. You know, it's only been in this last couple generations that, uh, that these diseases are running rampant and uh, exponentially growing.
0: So. Yeah. Um, now, for, for all our listeners, if, if they were, you know, wanted to now go to a health food store and they wanted to pick up a certain product off the shelf, in terms of you know, a superfood a super or a certain type of, of herb. Is there any type mm-hmm. of, of these nutritional powerhouses that you can recommend for people when they're looking on these shelves to maybe add into their diet or their daily routines?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so it, it's proven without a shadow of a doubt that we're now deficient in omega-3s. Uh, absolutely without a shadow of a doubt. the The high-grain diet that we're eating is very toxic in omega-6s. Omega-6 is an essential fatty acid as well, uh, but we're just getting way too much of it. Uh, So picking up a good quality animal-based, ideally uh, fish-based omega-3 would be be probably your best bet, easiest one to find, uh, and making sure you take that every single day. Uh, It has anti-inflammatory effects. Uh, Omega-3s are found in every single cell in your body, in fact, they make up a good chunk of the cell membrane of those 75 to 100 trillion cells that we're made up of. So absolutely, omega-3s and then uh, probiotics. You know, probiotics are the uh, bacteria that basically live uh, in and on and around our body. And, uh, and from a hunter-gatherer perspective, if you, again, measured the, the modern-day hunter-gatherers, they have somewhere between seven and nine pounds of probiotics or bacteria that live in their gut. And right now the average industrialized person has between one and two pounds. So it's it's scary, you know, those are your first line of defense in, um, in if, when it comes to your immune system. So by being deficient in probiotics, you're now not going to be able to fight off those other uh, pathogens that can take root in your system and make you very sick
0: and And for someone like even myself who who tries to be dairy free and to minimize um, products that are consumed, which are dairy, like one might think that if I'm taking out yogurt, there goes my probiotics. So for individuals who are dairy free, is there so recommend another way that they can ingest their probiotics?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. By uh, capsule form, uh, you know, getting uh, a capsule that uh, has a variety of different of the probiotic species. Uh, that we have in our gut, not just there, generally speaking, there's two that many probiotics focus on, but right now there's there's about nine different species that we're deficient in. And so getting something that's fairly well-rounded in, in all the different species that we're deficient in would be, would be ideal in a capsule form.
0: And these probiotics, along with the omega-3s, is this something that we take once a day, twice a day, in the morning, afternoon, evening?
1: Uh, ideally, if you can divide it into, uh, say, morning and evening with food, that would be ideal. Again, you're, you're trying to recreate what you would be eating as a hunter-gatherer. So, you know, as a hunter-gatherer, you didn't have the sanitary method of, uh, of uh, you know, your fruits and vegetables. You, you picked it on the ground and uh, picked it off the ground, blew off any bugs that were on it, a little bit of dirt, and, and you ate it right away. So, uh, or you took it back to the... Um, to the tribe. And uh, if you're lucky, you might get a little piece of it, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so, uh, you know, getting it from a capsule form, uh, enteric coated, so it can get down, uh, beyond your stomach where, uh, that can kill a lot of, a lot of the probiotics.
0: Now on the packaging, would it say this enteric coating you just mentioned?
1: The, the, uh, the very good supplements. Absolutely. They'll, they'll mention it for sure.
0: Okay, great. Now, for even more kind of practical tips for individuals, uh, a topic that would be nice to kind of pick your brain about is this, the concept of stretching. And so we wonder, when when you are, before you're warmed up and you start stretching before an activity, and, and one might think that, okay, I'm stretching, I'm, I'm doing something good. But correct me if I'm wrong, if we don't first have our heart rate high and our muscles kind of warmed up, can stretching actually injure us in a sense? And should we have a certain... Routine of how we stretch before an activity,
1: yeah I'd have to agree with you there uh you know there's not a lot of research in stretching i, I uh, i'm a, I'm a guy of science I, I like to quote research articles and and there's not a lot of great stretching articles out there um but absolutely you know if you think about it uh, again just from an evolutionary perspective if you were um as a hunter gatherer, cave cave guy right you're you're getting out there. You wouldn't go from from, you know, sitting in your cave or around the fire to all of a sudden an all out sprint, you know, flying up a tree. You might, but that's not going to happen very often. And so nowadays with our very sedentary uh, culture and lifestyle, you know, we're sitting there for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day and we're just not moving. And to be able to at least get those joints lubricated and warmed up and moving, getting your, your body temperature increased just a little bit, your muscle temperature increased a little bit as well. So yeah, uh, you know, along the lines of what you're suggesting there is, is getting your heart rate up, going for a walk that doesn't require a lot of, you know, uh, extreme stretching. Uh, maybe develop that walk into a short jog, and this can be in place. And, uh, and build up your core body temperature and your muscle body temperature, uh, before you start doing any stretching.
0: Okay, great. I, I, yeah, I hope that adds some some real practical value to our listeners. Moving on to a different gear right now. Um, now, feel free to not answer this question, but if you can, if if there's any kind of success uh, success stories from your own patients or our patients that you know from from other of your of your colleagues in the past. Is there any kind of success stories that we you can share that can act as as a inspiration for our listeners? in terms of someone who you've seen in your clinic and how they went from point A to point B, Anything along those lines?
1: Wow, there's uh, <laughs> so many. I'm
0: sure there is more than one. Though. Yeah, I'm sure. Any, yeah, maybe, yeah absolutely. i trying that, to think that that of one, one,
1: mind s- are one specific case. Yeah. Boy, that's a tough one. You know, it, it, generally speaking, for those who really are passionate about changing their lifestyle, and generally speaking, it's more along the lines of people getting into an acute episode and, and uh, their mortality starts to, to really become a focus on their life. Uh, you know whether it's they were just into their primary care physician's office and they have all the biomarkers of cardiovascular disease and you know they they generally speaking have a philosophy that they try not to use drugs or surgery as their first approach to health and um, and uh, you know they, they'll ask me questions you know how do you stay healthy and what do you do and and that kind of thing and and you know the the, the few people who really do. Who really have wanted to make a big change in their lifestyle, you know, by, by, you know, starting a more paleo or ancestral diet, just even moving towards that, uh, has made big, big differences. I, I had one gentleman who he had, uh, all the biomarkers of cardiovascular disease. He was diagnosed with it. Um, he was absolutely against taking any medication for it and he wanted a more, more natural approach. And so, uh, we have a 21 and a 98 lifestyle program. And he tried the the he started up on the 21 day lifestyle program, and by the end of that 21 days, so many uh, different changes that he noticed in his body, he actually wanted to continue on through the rest all the way up to a 90 day. And um, at the end of the 90 days, uh, I said, all right, go back to your primary care physician, get retested, and let's see what those biomarkers are doing. And uh, and when he got retested. Uh, all of those biomarkers fell within what they call normal limits. So, uh, you know, there's a a variety of people out there in in all sorts of different cases. But, uh, you know, I do find people are inspired by, you know, bikini body or that, you know, they're getting married or something like that. And uh, we've seen quite a few transformations with that as well.
0: And you made a comment about the paleo diet there. Do you mind briefly covering kind of from a high level what the principles of a paleo diet are?
1: yeah so what not to eat would be basically dairy grains, sugar, and salt okay. and so, so what you were
0: saying earlier
1: yeah yeah Amazing. yeah and 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 those uh those really are what are affecting our society um in a mass level at the moment you know in in the way as wellness practitioners the way i or as a wellness practitioner. The way I would encourage people if they were interested in making lifestyle changes before cutting out those things that they quote unquote love, you know, that sugar that's killing you really quickly or, you know, that uh, Jack Daniels at six in the morning because you can't tolerate work <laughs> mm-hmm. is instead of taking out the stuff you you love, add some of the things that are healthy before you start taking those things out. So. One of the first ones that I find everybody can do, everybody agrees to, uh, is fresh fiber first. So, you know, before you have that Kentucky Fried Chicken tonight at dinner, can you at least just have an apple or a banana or just a salad? Go go right ahead and eat the rest of that chicken guilt-free, but could you at least just eat something, you know, fresh and natural first? And I find as people start introducing that fresh fiber first and you maybe before they have that glass of wine having a glass of water and I find that people start realizing that making those healthy choices are actually quite easy and when they're ready then they can start taking out the stuff that's not so good for them
0: that's such a strategic move to like you're saying instead of cutting out the negatives just to add in those positives and maybe you will know, save the negatives for another time, but to first start with adding the positives and then, you know, cutting out the negatives later on, once once you start crossing that bridge, um, so be it. But perhaps the icebreaker is first adding in the positive and then removing the negative later on. Absolutely. Now, yeah. to kind of get into our, our final chapter of, of our conversation here, a nice... Topic for us to to have some dialogue about is this whole concept of mental health and and think well And so we all know that if our if our brains aren't you know screwed on right then it's it's hard for the rest of our Body to cooperate. It's hard for us to actually make a behavior change Um, And we always want to not just survive in this world, but also thrive in this world so to get things started Reed, in terms of of mental health and and self image and confidence and whatnot, how much of a role do you think that plays into someone's exercise routine and their behavior change in the first place?
1: Absolutely. I mean that that really is key. And, and before we even get into that, what I'd like to do is just define health and wellness, if that's okay, because of course. I think that they're they're um, they're very misunderstood concepts. You know, the World Health Organization. I believe it was back in 1948, if, if, if I'm correct. Uh, they defined health as a state of optimal physical, social, and mental well-being, not the mere absence of disease or infirmity. And and that uh, that that's a a great definition because a couple things. One, mental and social, what we're talking about now. Uh, but also, if you, uh, it's not the mere absence of disease or infirmity. So just because you're not overweight doesn't mean that you're healthy. Just because you don't have high blood pressure doesn't mean that you're healthy. And just because you know you're not on uh, an antidepressant doesn't mean that you're healthy. So so using that and then wellness, uh, I like to define wellness as as I use the definition straight out of the World Health Organization, a state of optimal physical, social, and mental well being. Not the mere absence of disease or infirmity, and then I add achieved by lifestyle. So wow. how how we eat, how we move, and how we think. And you know, the, I, if I can quote um, uh, international inspirational speaker and human behaviorist Dr. John D. Martini, uh, what you think about, you bring about. And so your highest dominant thought will bring your outermost tangible reality true. And so, uh, we've got to live an inspired life. You've got to find those things that you love. You know, try not to live somebody else's life, but live what what inspires you the most. And, and once you start doing that, it really does open up a whole new world.
0: And I'm sure you 100% agree with something we should be very mindful of in terms of trying to obtain this this state of of positive well being is. Really watch who we surround ourselves with and our, our social health, our, our friends, our connectedness with others in our community.
1: Absolutely. Huge. Absolutely.
0: Now, in terms of when we think about mental health, would you say, how would you say someone like yourself has had be able to achieve a positive mindset? Have you read certain books? Have you followed certain individuals? Have you had certain life experiences? How would you say someone can can achieve this state of mental health in the first
1: place? Uh, well, I think like like with everything, role modeling is, is one of the best ways um, to achieve something. So my role models out there are Dr. John D martini, uh, Tony Robbins those guys really do inspire me. And, and, um, you know, initially, it was sort of a more of a motivational thing, because I I didn't really have uh, something that I was truly passionate about. So by reading their books, uh, going to their seminars, that that really and doing the homework, that's the key doing the homework. Uh, That's what really helps me to focus in on on my passions, what I love to do, what inspires me. So, so role modeling, you know, find a role model, find somebody, whether it's a field that you're passionate about or a sport or something along those lines, somebody who you think is spiritually uh, balanced, find those people and and talk to them and spend time with them. Uh, Also cutting out those people that are, that, you know, aren't necessarily the best for, for our, our natural growth, you know, it's um we we all have those people in our lives and and sometimes it can be a real challenge to uh to just put them at arm's length or take a different uh, avenue and pathway away from them but um you know those people who are, are preventing you from uh moving on you can't you shouldn't you won't you'll you'll hear that quite a bit uh from these people avoiding them that that's a big one yes
0: avoiding them you know now yeah you know kind of going back a little bit towards exercise and mental health in the brain uh, maybe too many people don't realize this but and something you can make a further comment on is that exercise has this amazing ability to actually help us have a, a better attention span and help with with our productivity help with our stress levels do you have any kind of indication as to why exercise would even help our brain? Because we exercise with our muscles, not our brains. So, so what's going on here behind the scenes?
1: Oh man, there's <laughs> so many different things. Well, well, again, exercise and energy expenditure are, are just part of what our genetics require us to do. That's, that's if, again, that's just one thing, if I could I could stress that, is we are designed to move, just like we're designed to breathe air, fresh air, just like we're designed to eat whole natural foods, uh, just like we're designed to drink water. I mean, that, that's all we're really supposed to drink. And um, that's what we're genetically designed to do. So, so movement is just one of those things. And, you know, we get sick real quick when we stop breathing. Uh, we get sick, you know, a little, not, not as quickly when we stop drinking water or any other fluids. And we take a lot longer to, you know, if we stop eating. But let me tell you, it just gets a horrible life when we're not moving. And it takes a long, long time to to actually check out of this world by not moving. So moving is so very important. You know, there's um, if I can give you a few stats, actually, uh, these are some of the ones off the, off the top of my uh, head here. So um, in, in terms of just what's what's in the research out there, the proven benefits of movement and energy expenditure, um you can prevent up to ninety-one percent of cases of type two diabetes and obesity uh in the United States. And right now, well actually this is a little bit of an older stat, but obesity and diabetes cost about five hundred and nineteen million dollars per day in the US. That's per day. Five hundred and nineteen million dollars per day. Yeah. With um again with going back to the uh movement energy expenditure. You can reduce risk of stroke by 25 to 30%. You can uh, prevent up to 50% of all stroke deaths. So you can normalize your blood pressure. Again, if you live a genetically congruent lifestyle, your biomarkers are going to be normalized. It's as it's, it's easy as that. Um, you know, you can uh, restore and maintain your heart and blood health, uh, which is, again, huge right now. Your cl- uh, cholesterol and triglyceride, ugh, cl- triglyceride levels uh, you can normalize all of those things. So so movement is absolutely key. And uh, when you move, you're going to balance out your neurotransmitters in your brain. So you know one of the things uh I'm, I'm sure all sorts of uh coaches and psychologists and therapists will will mention is, you know, if, if you have an emotive situation, get out there and get some vigorous exercising. Go for a run, hard as fast as you can, do a couple sprints, that kind of thing. And then come back and have that conversation and it's a lot harder to do um you know getting really emotional once you've had that run because it's balancing out all the neurotransmitters in your in your brain
0: yes there's a lot of uh a lot going on behind the scenes as uh, as it sounds like in terms of that now reed we'll we'll conclude with one more question here and maybe Absolutely. a little bit more of a, a fun kind of question but if you could only pick one fruit or vegetable and one specific type of exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would that fruit or vegetable and what would that type of exercise be?
1: Hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little skewed because uh, I just grew my first uh, passion fruits. Uh, I've been trying to grow passion fruit uh, for about three years now and we finally got them. Last year, the hurricane wiped them all out, and they were just about to be ready. So oh no. uh, I'm, I am in love with passion fruit. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I'm just going to go for that. That's not specifically for a health basis, but I love passion fruit, <laughs> and I'm passionate for them. <laughs> Exercise. Wow, that's a tough one. A specific um, movement. W- a specific movement. So I can't say high intensity or, or anything like that. Hmm, specific movement. Then I would have to say running. I, I really would. And I, I would, uh, if if I could make it a little bit more narrow on, on the running perspective, uh, I would just say maybe avoiding what, what I call or what's called out there chronic cardio, it, it, that steady state um, speed, but get out there a little bit more uh, interval type running. So, you know, make it fast. Uh, if, if anybody has heard of fart lacking. you know, uh, vary the speed and intensity and in the and the time that you're running. And, uh, that, that's by far got to be one of the best exercises if I had to stick to it.
0: Awesome, Reed. That, uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you in, in terms of, of running and, and I suppose the passion fruit as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. but come, I,
1: come on over next, next time, next time you're down, you come on over and I'll, uh, I'll give you a few. You bet. You
0: bet. But anyways, we, uh, we very much appreciate you taking the time to, to help our listeners uh, with their health goals and helping them on, on their health and wellness journey. So once again, thank you for your time. And just one last thought, if you can leave our listeners with, that they can take home with
1: them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what what can I, oh, last thought. Hmm. One thought. Well, let's, let's go back to what we were talking about. You know, the fresh fibers first or adding something that's good. Uh, if you're making a lifestyle change, add something positive before you start taking away the negative. That's uh, that's that's a big one, and and maybe even if you can when you're out there shopping, uh, shop full. So before you get to the grocery store, I don't care even if you have to pig out on you know KFC or McDonald's or something like that. Um, just make sure that you're full before you get to the grocery store because you're going to make a lot smarter choices uh, when you're full. And of course, obviously, I, I would suggest eating a salad before you get there. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and then one of the other ones is you know nowadays we really beat ourselves up quite a bit and uh, I w- if I could just encourage people to you know judge your choices based on you how you feel after your choice um, not really before or during so you know after you've had that salad how do you feel how does your body feel um, how do you feel about yourself for choosing that salad and then you know conversely about that mcdonald's you know how, how do you feel how does your body feel how does your brain feel after you just had that big mac and extra supersized fries and and uh 64 ounce coke you know it's um so judge your choices by how you feel after versus during or before
0: fantastic Rita. i really think our listeners will value that and until the next time thanks again for your time
1: thanks again nathan
0: And that was our chat with Dr. Reed Robinson. We hope everyone enjoyed it as Reed provided a number of practical tips that we can take with us to apply behavior change in our lives.